Sup, you beautiful bastards. Welcome back to The Philip DeFranco Show. And before we jump into it, I have to make good on a promise. I'm so excited to finally announce the August beautiful bastard shop DeFranco drop is now officially live. It's first come, first served. You have seven days to get it, but also understand there are a few things here or there, like sizes that are super limited. So if you want it, snag it fast, whether it be the cotton candy cropped hoodie and sweatpants, as well as our black camo multicolor embroidered emotionally exhausted line, as well as these fantastic sandstone and sage options. And then finally, while everything is sounding like crazy, the runaway winner so far. The, honestly, I'm fucking killing it. Black camo and safety yellow windbreakers. So definitely grab it while you can. And also, I just have to say a preemptive thank you. We're already on pace to beat our last sales record, which is insane. You guys crashed the website this morning, which I didn't even think was possible. But yeah, main point, snag them while you can. And hey, welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. Hit that like button if you want me to punch you in the throat and let's just jump into it. The first thing that we got to talk about today is just a load of what the fuck? And it, it involves these two Texas teenagers. So I can't play the audio, but they look at each other. They say, us remembering we found a dead body this morning. Okay, seemingly posting a video about it. Maybe not the best move, but you didn't pull a full Logan Paul. You didn't show the body. But as it turns out, while that's a heavy way to start the story, uh, it gets worse. Two teens are accused of stealing a necklace off a dead man. Okay, so let's talk details. An arrest warrant affidavit identified one of the girls as 17-year-old Bethany Martin, while her 16-year-old friend remained unnamed because she's considered a juvenile. And according to reports, the two were near a drainage ditch last Monday when they found a body of a man who had died by suicide. And they then allegedly shared a video to Snapchat showing Martin removing a chain and medallion from the man's neck. The two then eventually called another friend to the scene who then called the police. But the following day, authorities were made aware of this video after it made its way to the next door app. With police then tracking down the girls who eventually admitted that they had discarded the necklace into the and kept the medallion. With the affidavit adding that the unnamed teen put the medallion on her own gold necklace because it, quote, matched her fashion style. And so with that, the girls eventually surrendered the pendant, the deputies returning it to the family who police said had actually seen the disturbing video on social media, which also reportedly featured the girls laughing, which I think is an important note before you're like, ah, oh, you know, young people can sometimes make mistakes. Like this is especially cruel. So yeah, with this, both teens were eventually charged with theft of a human corpse or a grave, which regardless of value is a state jail felony in Texas. And that typically means that it's punishable by no more than two years, but no less than 180 days in jail and it can also come with a fine not exceeding $10,000. But yeah, ultimately, that is where we are with this story. The, the question I wanna pass off to you is, what sort of penalty or punishment should we see here? If you were the judge and the jury, what you throwing down? A bonus question to the two disgusting douchebags at the center of this story. What is wrong with you? Who's raising you? That was another human being, not something for you to just kind of like jokingly make content about and steal from. Which already disgusting, but it's not like you're even like stealing because it's like, I can't afford to eat. You're like, that's my vibe though. Straight into the garbage with you. That's my opinion. Then a uh, slew of interesting celebrity news, uh, starting with Matt Damon, who has retired Hired. Not from his career, but rather from saying homophobic slurs. Right, and that's, that's actually his own wording. Uh, Matt Damon right now, he's facing criticism because he did a recent interview with the Sunday Times where he said, the word that my daughter calls the F slur for a homosexual was commonly used when I was a kid with a different application. I made a joke months ago and got a treatise from my daughter. She left the table. I said, come on, that's a joke. I say it in the movie, Stuck on You. She went to her bedroom and wrote a very long, beautiful treatise on how that word is dangerous. I said, I retire the F slur. I understood. Right, so one of the main reactions when that quote began to spread is that a ton of people were like, wait, you only just now stopped saying it? Or essentially people saying like, why would you admit to that? You're already old enough to know better. This isn't exactly new information. But to that point, 
Here's what I would say. No one is saying give Matt Damon an award for doing the bare minimum here, right? I'm not saying that. But shouldn't this be the growth that we're actually looking for? Like, yeah, if I was his PR rep, I would have probably advised him not to volunteer this information, but he did volunteer it. He was proactive about it, right? This isn't something that he's saying because an old clip came out and went viral and people are bashing him, right? And for those of you out there, like when someone says some sort of slur or like attacks a community and you go, hey, that isn't okay. Right? Hopefully the point of that isn't just to get like some internet points, it's hopefully to promote some positive change in a person. Understand, with me saying this, this isn't me saying, hey, like if you're gay and you're affected greatly by that word, fuck your feelings, or I'm trying to minimize your experience, it's not that. Your feelings are valid. You're allowed to feel how you feel. But I do think this is a positive story, not an award-giving story, but a positive story. It shows a change through conversation is actually possible. Also, I gotta commend Matt Damon's daughter for having the courage and actually the drive to say, hey, I don't like that you did that to one of her parents. And also, once again, I'm not handing out awards, but props to Matt Damon for actually listening to his child, I don't know about you, but my parents didn't really take my words into consideration growing up. But that said, that's a story, some of my personal opinion on it, and whether you agree or disagree with me, I'd love to know your thoughts in those comments down below. Also, while we're talking about celebs getting hit for things they said, let's talk about DaBaby. He, if you don't know, has been getting a ton of backlash for remarks he made last month at a concert in Miami, telling the crowd at the Rolling Loud Festival, if you didn't show up today with HIV, AIDS, any of them deadly sexually transmitted diseases that'll make you die in two, three weeks, put your cell phone light up. Also saying, fellas, if you Ain't sucking D in the parking lot. Put your cell phone light up. Keep it real. Twitch, a lot of people were like, homophobia and rap? Well, I never. But no, of course, there was backlash. A number of people going like, wow, that's so homophobic. We also saw a number of artists sounding off, including collaborators like Dua Lipa, as well as others like Madonna, Elton John, Demi Lovato, Questlove, and others trying to educate DaBaby about the misinformation that he was spreading about HIV. Right, and with all of this, it looked like DaBaby apologized a few times, but then also continued to double down and caused more outrage. Though, like we've talked about before, with any story that involves entertainers and like a canceling. It really didn't look like any of the, the pressure or the criticism was coming from his audience, or at the very least, it was very minimal. And I say that because during all of this, he released a music video, which actually included lyrics about AIDS that people also ended up criticizing. But you look and you see 251,000 likes, only 37,000 dislikes. We also saw some rappers standing up to defend a baby. T.I. saying that the LGBTQ plus community is out there bullying rappers. Though I will say my favorite defense came from Boozy Badass, who said, Quote, he said this during an Instagram Live. Nas X say he want to perform naked on stage for charity. You don't fuck with him like you fuck with baby. You know, be even-sided, man, be even-sided. You don't think that's disrespect in front of boys who trying to be straight? Totally disrespect. Boozy. Trying? Boozy, is there anything else you'd like to share with the class? Also, in between saying, it's sad, bro, about 50 times uh, he said. In 10 years, it, gonna, it, gonna, it ain't gonna be normal for a kid to be straight. How soft are these rappers? You have gay people out here just trying to exist, or artists like Lil Nas X trying to do literally the equivalent of what heterosexuals in the industry are doing. Boozy's out here like, it's a slippery slope, man. They're gonna make it illegal to be straight. But uh, we're getting sidetracked here because today, the baby apologized again, or rather, someone wrote an apology for him. Writing social media moves so fast that people want to demolish you before you even have the opportunity to grow, educate, and learn from your mistakes. Going on to say, I appreciate the many people who came to me with kindness, who reached out to me privately to offer wisdom, education, and resources. And saying, I want to apologize to the LGBTQ plus community for the hurtful and triggering comments I made. In closing, again, I apologize for my misinformed comments about HIV AIDS, and I know education on this is important. Love to all, God bless. Right, so that's been appreciated by some, but also for a lot of others. It just doesn't feel genuine, especially because he spent the last week disrespecting fellow artists and acting like people were turning nothing into something. Or with people saying, oh, this is only coming after he's now getting dropped from gig after gig, including major events like Lollapalooza and the Governor's Ball in New York City, which is why if you go to Twitter right now, there are a lot of plays 
on DaBaby's name. The people saying things like DaBaby to apologize because he was protecting DaBag. But before we wait to see what happens with this situation with uh, DaBaby booking festivals or uh, the other situation that Boozy referenced, you know, uh, the straights being hunted in the streets by the, the new LGBTQ plus overlords. What are your thoughts on this story? I'd love to know. But from that, I wanna take a second to thank the fantastic sponsor of today's show, Athletic Greens. You know, Athletic Greens is designed to fill nutritional gaps in your diet with just one scoop. It supports energy, gut health, your immune system, and stress. And it's 75 ingredients include a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, superfood, greens blend, and more, so you don't need most other supplements piling up on your countertop. Athletic Greens is perfect for working professionals, athletes, and busy parents like my wife and I. I mean, we've definitely both noticed changes incorporating it into our daily routines this year. We even have a friend of ours saying that it helped his gut health. Mixes well with water, and honestly, it's the best tasting greens I've tried, making it an easy habit to stick to. The best part is that they're giving away added immune system support with a free one-year supply of vitamin D, plus five individual travel packs with your purchase. I mean, honestly, it'll be hard to find a better, more comprehensive supplement. So head on over to athleticgreens.com slash Franco, or just click that link in the description down below to get their best offer of all time. And that offer is only available in the US, Canada, UK, and Europe, so do not miss out. Then, for those of you that thought today's first story was like, that was your daily dose of WTF news, I'm sorry, because uh, we now need to talk about one of the most requested stories from over the weekend, and that is this story involving Chris Chan. You, you might have seen that trending over the weekend, wondering who's Chris Chan, and I feel like you're gonna wish that you didn't know. But yeah, let, let's walk through it. Uh, Chris Chan is an infamous internet personality who writes the ridiculous Sonichu comic and is claimed by some to be, quote, the most documented person in history. It's been around since 2000, and after Chan got notice online for sharing her life and increasingly bizarre behavior, the comic's writing turned increasingly sexual and dark. And well, Chan ended up becoming trending news this weekend because of a massive leak of audio and messages that it appears that she sent to someone that were leaked on Friday. Like, think of what a person could trend for, right? A non-murdery reason, and then it's still probably somehow worse than what you're thinking. I can't even play the audio in this video without putting the whole video at risk of being taken down. Right, to explain, on Friday, someone named Bella, which appears to be a troll sona of someone that was in contact with Chan, a fan turned friend, they revealed that Chan had allegedly engaged in incest and rape of her 80-year-old mother, Barbara, who has dementia, and allegedly, she did this multiple times. Apparently, Chan has been living with and taking care of Barbara for years now, and that is like as far as I'm gonna go into the details of the, the audio and, and the text because it's it's all fucked up. But yeah, you know, as expected with these leaks, it resulted in a lot of people going, what the fuck? But also we saw action taken fairly quickly. Local Virginia police reportedly on July 30th conducting a welfare check on Chan and Barbara's home and shortly afterwards issuing an emergency protection order banning Chan from seeing or contacting her mother until at least August 5th pending an investigation. Barbara was moved to a hospital while Chan had been forced to stay at a hotel in Richmond and then on Sunday, Chan was arrested. Right now, she's initially facing charges for incest which is a class five felony, which means it is technically like a, a wobbler. It can be charged as a misdemeanor or a felony with either up to 12 months behind bars or up to 10 years. It's also with this possible that Chan will face sexual assault charges, each of which carry their own multiple year sentences. And on top of that, Chan also allegedly admitted to stealing $750 from her mother's bank account after the emergency protection order was issued, which could just mean more time. So yeah, that is where we are for now. And what the, what the fuck? Then let's talk about Florida and Florida man, Ron DeSantis. So not great news coming out of Florida. Uh, yesterday reporting a record 10,207 COVID-19 hospitalizations yesterday, which notably is just one day after the CDC released data showing that the state had seen its highest new daily cases since the start of the pandemic. Right, so with all this, Florida has become the epicenter of the most recent outbreak in the US, driven by the Delta variant with the state now accounting for one out of every five new cases. Right, and understand those numbers from this 
weakened are massively significant because they surpass previous records that were logged before the vaccines were readily available. But also very notably, like this isn't because Florida's vaccination rates like 13% or something. It is the exact same as the nationwide rate of 49% fully vaccinated, which also makes Florida's vaccination rate the highest among the top 10 states reporting the highest COVID cases right now. And while yes, Governor Ron DeSantis is now encouraging Florida residents to get vaccinated, he and the state's legislature have also made it so incredibly hard for local officials to enforce protections that mitigate further spread. I mean, for example, on the same day that the state reported its highest number of cases ever, DeSantis signed an executive order banning school districts from requiring students to wear a mask when they go back to school later this month. This, despite the CDC guidance issued last week, recommending that everyone inside K-12 schools wear a face covering. And with this, DeSantis, for his part, has repeatedly claimed that the spikes are just part of seasonal increases driven by more people being indoors and air conditioning systems circulating the virus. But at the same time, he also argued on Friday that he didn't think that masks were necessary to prevent kids from transmitting COVID in classrooms where they are inside with air conditioning. And kind of touching on the school age range, just last week, Florida reported more than 21,000 infections among children younger than 19. But also, while of course we love to poke and prod Florida, it's not just Florida. Other states are banning schools from requiring masks. In fact, many of the states suffering the biggest spikes right now have done the same. This, including Arkansas, Oklahoma, and Texas, which all currently rank among the top 10 states with the highest per capita COVID cases. But yeah, the, the main point of this story, and possibly most of this video, is I am wearing the right hoodie today. I just wish we could look at another timeline where masks and vaccinations didn't get politicized, because it's, it's ridiculous. Then, we should definitely talk about the federal evictions ban, which officially ended at midnight this past Saturday, leaving millions at risk of being evicted. Now, currently, it's unclear exactly how many people are gonna be impacted. Some think tanks putting the number on the higher end, estimating as many as 11 million people are behind on their rent. But at the same time, the most recent Census Bureau data gives a more conservative figure, reporting that around 7.4 million adults were behind on rent and about 3.6 million households said that they are at least somewhat likely to face eviction in the next two months. You know, what makes this absolutely extra crazy here is that while the US is on the brink of what could be considered a historic evictions crisis, Billions of dollars have been allocated to prevent exactly that. But understand, we are talking about a colossal failure. Remember how Congress set aside nearly $47 billion in rental relief funds in the last two stimulus packages? Yet, six months after the first round of funding was approved, the Treasury Department had only allocated $3 billion of the funding for just 600,000 tenants. And that's largely due to the fact that the federal government tasked the states and cities to allocate the funds, but many didn't have existing systems in place, prompting them to scramble to create totally new programs that were immediately overwhelmed. In fact, according to the Treasury Department, out of the more than 400 states, counties, and cities that reported data, just 36 were able to spend even half of the money a lot of of them by the end of June, and 49 had not spent a dime. So as far as what happens from here in this colossal clusterfuck, you have local governments trying to rush out that aid, but of course the federal ban is now gone, and so many people who may have applied months ago could still be kicked out of their homes at a time when COVID cases are surging. And while yes, uh, some states and cities have local eviction bans in place, the federal government has so far failed to protect the others. Right? For example, at the very last minute, you had Biden asking Congress, please pass this legislation to extend the moratorium just days before it was set to expire, with members already set to leave for their August recess. But there we saw a Republican block the effort to extend the ban by unanimous consent, and Democratic leaders also said they didn't have enough support for a formal vote. But that said, Congress could hypothetically uh, come back and, and do something. But given the opposition from Republicans, we saw House Speaker Nancy Pelosi calling on the Biden administration to unilaterally extend the ban. But that could also be extremely difficult given a recent Supreme Court ruling that suggested that the CDC, which initially imposed the freeze, did not have the authority to do so and that congressional action was needed. But ultimately, that is where we are with the story for now. Obviously, we have to wait and see. But in the meantime, well, of course, I'd love to know your thoughts on this topic in general. If you are someone that is affected 
or you know someone that is affected, I'd love if you could share your story, you know, how far behind, what is it, what has it been like? Also, have you gotten aid? Have you tried? What has that experience been like? I'd really love to hear from you. And ultimately with this story or honestly anything else that stood out to you today, I'd love to know your thoughts in those comments down below because yes, this is a news show, but it's also supposed to be a conversation. Also, remember you only have a limited time, so grab what you want over at beautifulbastard.com right now. And of course, as always, thanks for watching, like, and subscribing. My name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces and I'll see you tomorrow.